Coming up this week on the Course of Life podcast, it was the very last Dell match play week here in Austin, Texas. You can hear my emotion. We've got my full recap from the grounds, plus a quick thought on the Corrales event in the Dominican Republic, and an interesting LPGA finish out west and some French golf history was made. Plus, we're tuned into gardening season and Kodo. And this week's guest, uh, you may know him from Boston Sports Talk Radio fame. You may not also know him from a really cool golf gear brand called Swing Juice. We have Dakota Happis on the program talking all things golf and Boston sports coming your way. Uh, it's a fun episode. Uh, get into it. Get excited. It's the course of life, and it's all brought to you by our friends at Desert Fox Golf. They make the phone caddy, they make the cigar holder, the swing aid tumblers, and basically everything else you need to make your golf uh, a little bit more enjoyable. Desert Fox just accessorizes the game perfectly for you, so you can check out their accessories to make your round of golf a little bit more enjoyable at DesertFoxGolf.com. Promo code Course of Life to save 10% at DesertFoxGolf.com. interwebs and welcome to Chorus of Life. We are proud to be presented by our friends at Desert Fox Golf and Vores Golf. I'm Michael, he's Alex. And Alex, it was the last ever Dell match play in Austin and potentially one of the last match play events on the PGA Tour. I don't know if you heard it, the thunder just rumbled outside because the world was upset. However, comma, we did get Rory versus Scotty Sunday afternoon. Everyone was paying attention to it. They went down to the wire in the morning in their uh, in their semifinals, and uh, we got Scotty and Rory in the uh, consolation match. Yeah, maybe we'll just omit that part of history in the end of the, the uh, book of the Dell match play and its seven-year run here in Austin, Texas. Uh, the whole world thought that this week was going to le- lead to some sort of epic matchup, and it felt like it was in the cards as we got both Scotty Scheffler and Rory McIlroy into the Final Four on Sunday morning, but they had to both separately win their semifinal matches to create that dream championship finale to the event. It was not to be, so it ended up being Cam Young and Sam Burns. It was a very strange vibe out there because the whole crowd Sunday morning was just willing, willing Scotty and Rory to win their matches. And when they both came up short in extra holes, mind you, Mike, they yeah, both went yeah. to extra holes in those semifinal matches and came up short. The, the air was just completely sucked out of the building. And, and then all of a sudden we had the most watched third place match ever in the history of the Dell match play as well. Yeah, this was just, I mean, incredible. It was incredible. It was most watched because because the championship one was kind of a rout. It really was. It was six and five for Sam Burns. It was yes. <laughs> Cam Young had a little, you know, a little bit of juice going early. He got one up through four holes, and then it just was downhill from there really fast. <laughs> Absolute domination for Burns. Three up at the turn. Um, Cam Young just looked lifeless. There's always one party at the end of this week in the championship match, Mike, that's just too exhausted for this. Yeah. And that was Cam Young this year. So there's always one dominant party in the championship match. And this year it was Burns. Uh, and you're right, it was dominant from start to finish. And on the 13th hole out there by the water and it was so awkward mike that damon hack delivered the trophy to burns he lifts it up on the 13th green he says good night everyone drive safe and go home 
and the, the third place match was still going on in the 16th hole <laughs> and it had about a half an hour of golf left. Um, that's how quickly the championship ended on Sunday. Uh, so yeah, very abrupt, but positive ending for Sam Burns. I was just one week off on him, Mike. I was, we were touting the three peat at the Valspar. Yeah. He didn't show up there very auspiciously, but lo and behold, a week later, he was ready to fire on all cylinders and, and win the big one at the WGC. Yeah, I mean, was this Sam Burns fly, firing on all cylinders to beat Cam Young, or is this Cam Young being tired after playing, um, you yeah. know, nineteen <laughs> holes against Rory too? I, I mean, can't Cam Young empty tank? Sam Burns quarter tank of gas. Yeah, you know? yeah. That, that's yeah. what it comes down to when you get to Sunday afternoon of this because it's seven rounds in five days. A lot of golf, uh, and it's pretty taxing. So shout out to Burns for getting it done. Uh, definitely his landmark win of his career. Obviously, talk about him being moved up that list at Augusta. You know, moved up that yep. list in the major championship season. He was sitting in the teens in the world ranking. He'll be vaulting into the top ten in no time. Um, so you're going to see his name a lot more in those major championship betting circles in the, in the uh, weeks and months to come. One seed. So the 13 seed beats the 15 seed. How um, on theme for March to have two low seeds yeah, in the finale. We'll talk yeah. more about that after the uh, the interview when we get to March Madness. But let's talk about the Corrales Putacandiac Championship in the Dominican Republic. Of course, the opposite field event because they weren't all at a match play. And uh, Matt Wallace takes the W with a final round 66 over uh, Hoyegaard. The, uh, which one, Rasmus or Nikolai? Nikolai. The twins, the famous yeah. Hoyegaard twins, who will be sending their way up the world ranking in no time. Uh, yeah, so Nikolai got the runner-up. But but the, the Wallace story is fascinating here. I needed to get this thought off because last week, Matt Wallace at Valspar was having a tricky time on the weekend, and NBC cameras captured a, a pretty – epic back and forth with Wallace and his caddy. They were, they're just downright yelling at each other and screaming at each other and, and tearing their heads off on the course as they were talking about broken down yardages and wrong clubs here and there and win left and right, this and that. Um, so they go from basically fighting. I think they just got it all out of their system, Mike, to being friends and winning on the PJ Tour. You know, sometimes you need that in, in life, Mike. You, you just got to get it out of your system. Just to just tell her, tell me what's on your mind, what's really bothering you. Okay, now we can carry on, and lo and behold, it led to a win the next week. Yep. So uh, a W, six hundred eighty-four thousand dollars. Not too shabby um, for an opposite field event. Not too bad, really. Not three hundred FedEx Cup points, so that puts them at forty-five in the FedEx Cup standings now. Uh, top fifty. This helps to be in the top fifty in the FedEx Cup. So there. Oh you yeah, go. absolutely, definitely. Let's talk about the LPGA as well, because they went to a playoff there as well. They went to extra holes and uh, France beats England. That's all you need to know. France beats England. That's right. It was a sunset playoff. It was a kind of a nice way to end the Sunday. I'd had a full Sunday at the Dell match play. <laughs> Walked and followed both those matches all morning, all afternoon. It was good to get home and just watch a little nightcapper on the LPGA. They had the Arizona sunset over the mountains at the drive-on championship. And Celine Boutier got it done for her third win. And the French record set, she now becomes the all-time winningest French golfer in LPGA Tour history with her third win. Um, she's pretty much a mainstay now. I saw her last fall at the CME group event and she's a regular on tour and she's going to be for years to come been a part of lots of Solheim cup teams as well too um, definitely one of the young veterans in the European game so shout out Celine Boutier for getting that record setting win number three we just have to say even though I don't think anyone who listens to us understands the reference but quote golf is for the French Alex 
That's right. <laughs> shout out the shout out the old college radio troll caller we got on our on our yeah. show there. Good yeah. memories. We have to mention too, Alex, before we talk about what's coming up this next week about your week at Austin Country Club and the Dell Match Play. Of course, you had a bunch of fun all week. Uh, you had a boat party on Friday. How about that? This, I mean, just you were living the life. You were you were singing the praises of Austin as you waved goodbye all at the same time. Well, the, the thing that's gnawing at me for the years in existence of this tournament, for anyone who watches it, is you know how beautiful that spectacle is of the boats out on the water in Lake Austin watching the action on the back nine there, the matches. It's an unbelievable view in, in golf, and I would never had experienced it. I'd never gotten out there on the water in all the years I'd volunteered and walked the course and seen it out there. So as soon as I found out this was the last playing, I had to make it happen. So wouldn't you believe it, Mike? At 35 years old, I put on my party planner hat and I actually just got to work and I hosted the whole freaking event myself. How about that? You know, I collected money, got the catering, got the booze, you know, set the time up. It was a, a, a rowdy affair and fun was had by all. And uh, it was very cool getting the perspective of being out on the water. It definitely maybe not the most ideal spectating location, but also nice to just kind of float out on a nice lily pad out on the water on an 85 degree day, right? That, that works too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that sounds pretty awesome good for you for putting your big boy pants on and being an adult there to make that happen. i didn't actually i always joke about this with my wife and you'll get this joke and a lot of people out there too would too i actually didn't realize that i could put that many friends together i didn't think i was capable of getting like 15 to 17 people in a group at the same time but i did it uh, unbelievable my so my social circle might be a little bit bigger than i think it was so congratulations to me for that achievement as well Good job. Just keep in mind that nothing will come in, you know, in anywhere close to how many people you were able to get to come together for your wedding. Oh, so, yeah. That's at the end, by the yeah. way. For anyone who yeah. hasn't get, gotten married again, the wedding, once you have your wedding, make note of it because that's the biggest party you're ever going to throw for the rest of your life. Congrats. True. That's true. Unless you have kids and they get married and you have a daughter and you pay for their wedding because, you know, you pay for the daughter's wedding. Shout, shout out and, to my buddy, Anthony, who just had his second daughter as well, too. Oh, so he, he appreciates that one as well. <laughs> He's a you know, second daughter. You better start putting some money in savings right now. It's going to be expensive. All right. Let's look ahead to the Valero Texas Open. Yes. Uh, just known as that event that happens to be before the Masters. Yep. Do we care? It's tricky, too. Because obviously everyone's got their eye on Augusta. I've already, she's, I've already written three Augusta previews and it's Valero oh, Texas Open Week. So that, that's where everyone's heads at in the sports world because everyone's just captivated by the four days at Augusta National. So it's, it's hard not to look forward, but we do have the Valero Texas Open right down the road in San Antonio, TP San Antonio. Um, interesting little layout, but more than anything, it, it's created some interesting narratives over the years. There's been some Texas winners in recent years there. There's been some surprise champions, some playoff action, good par mm -hmm. 518th. So if nothing else, it's it's just the appetizer, the, the chips and salsa, if you will, before the main course next week for the Masters fans out there. Uh, I have to ask, will world number 58, Taylor Montgomery, have something to prove after not winning his group in the match play? Yeah, that stunk, man. I don't know if yeah. you saw. So I, I was texting you, but he won Wednesday and Thursday commandingly. Yeah. Taylor Montgomery just stared, stared down Jordan Spieth and just beat him on the greens head to head. That's not easy to do. Unfortunately, he lost his Friday match and lost the playoff to advance the weekend. But yeah, he's definitely one of the favorites at the top of the board. He could be on a lot of people's cards. Be sure to check out my runyourpool.com preview for my full betting card. Um, 
But there's some interesting names out there. You know, one name that I like is Siwoo Kim, a guy who doesn't pop up on too many leaderboards, but he's got a good history, finished in the top 10 or 15 last year at this event. Um, with a weaker field, he's got a good chance to thrive at a course with some open fairways uh, so he can miss a few tee shots if he needs to. That's a name that's definitely going to be on my card. I see Ricky Fowler's playing. He's playing out the string because he can't quite get into the Masters. So um, it's last crack at that for a lot of guys out there. Uh, should be an interesting week nonetheless in San Antonio, though. Just keep in mind, if you win the Valero, you will not win Augusta. It's yeah. just, it, it doesn't happen. That's true. In terms of the one-two double, I, I get yeah. that. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Spieth's won here before. Andrew Landry, Texans won here before. Um, shoot, you know, my I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm I'm looking at a Texan, maybe throwing my card. So watch out, Bo Hostler. Watch out, Dylan Fratelli. You know, there's guys that are local that definitely know the track a little bit better here uh, that have some good history at the event. So so look out for that and check out my full preview again at RunYourPool.com. All right, let's switch over to Tuned In, where we share what we're tuning into outside of the world of sports. Uh, this weekend, my, my mother was in town all oh, weekend, nice. uh, and we were honoring her a big birthday for her. We won't say a number, but it was it was big. It was a big number. Happy 40th a, birthday to your mom. Congratulations. There you go. It, was, it was her 40th birthday. Yeah. Um, she had me when I was four, uh, or when she was four. Um <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we we on Saturday, the Savannah Music Festival is going on right now. This is like a two week long music festival. It's one of the largest music festivals to go on in the state of Georgia, if not the largest. It goes on for like two and a half weeks. It's so long. Uh, and it's not just like pop and rap. You know, they actually they don't do a lot of that. It's mostly international music. They bring in classical artists, uh, African music as well, and which is couple shows with that and they got and then folk artists and, and a lot of other things like that. Yeah, so who'd you and go see? So we went to go see a uh, Kodo. So Kodo is a Japanese drumming group and I, I sent you a video of this, Alex, so you could kind of get a little bit of idea of what this is. These it's are, intense. It's I mean it's hard to explain. This is you know just saying Japanese drumming, I think some people may know what that means. It was one of the most visceral experiences in terms of the volume level feeling it deep down in your soul as well from how loud these drums are. And there, there's one point at the end of the show where they, they have this massive drum that's maybe like it's sitting like maybe four or five feet up on a stand. Love that. And then this, the drum is like maybe five, seven, eight feet in diameter, maybe even bigger than that. And this guy is, he's in a, he's in a lunge and his arms are just over his head, like the entire time, like 10, 15 minutes drumming on this thing. And then the same guy got down from it for the next piece onto the ground where they had another drum on a very slow stand. And he straddles the stand and then goes into like a, like a crunch position and then has to drum on that while like doing crunches to drum it. And he was Jesus. in so much pain. You could see it in his face. We were back in the balcony and it was, I was like, when he hopped down to go do that, it was like, Oh no, dude, please don't. You're no, you're tired. Don't do that. But he, you know, all of them with everything they were able to do, how athletic you have to be to do a two hour show with a 20 minute inter intermission on high speed drumming of multiple different drum sizes some which you may use just your little 
you know, your little sticks, but some they were using like baseball bats. I mean, they were using big things to hit some of these drums. That this is was, ridiculous. This was an wow. incredible show. It was, it was, it was just fantastic. You're going to have to so, link the video on Twitter or Instagram for everyone listening out there. So I, they, I'm they, happy they the video, it, it doesn't do it justice. It's just not because you can't feel it. Kodo. It, Interesting. Yeah, it's this group has been around for 40 years. They're out of Japan. They spend a third of the year touring the world third of the year in Japan and a third of the year practicing. And I guess to even become a permanent member, you do two years. The program said they do two years in like residency, like learning. Then they have a year long internship and then maybe they get picked to be in the group. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's a pretty intense regimen just to get to be picked in the group because it's like an intense workout every night. They're, they're going to be yeah. feeling the burn every time they walk off the stage. Yeah. I mean, it was like, go, go take an ice bath. Go, go. <laughs> it's like, man, I was, I was exhausted and in pain just watching it, but it was, it was probably one of the, one of the best live shows I've ever seen. And I've seen some big acts. I will say I've seen Elton John. I've seen Ray Charles. And this, this is maybe better than, than both of that. Wow. So, Hit you right in the soul right. there. Love that. Yeah. Interesting. Kodo, Family Music Festival. Good stuff. Very cool. I'll take a much lighter note for what I'm tuned into because basically what I'm tuned into now is something that kind of got thrust upon me thanks to my, my dad. He, he's done some house sitting and dog sitting for us and he always leaves as his momentum uh, a memento, a new plant for me to take care of. So, <laughs> so what's happened now is I'm unofficially a gardener whether I like it or not. I've got the poppy plant out front. I've got flowers in the windowsill, three different spots. And then I've got a gigantic tomato plant which i'm dying mm -hmm. to keep alive because i'm starting to get cherry tomatoes mike um so out of nowhere i'm just a gardener i'm watering these puppies every morning at 9 a.m i'm checking them on the, on the afternoon i'm picking off dry leaves and um i've got myself a whole new hobby whether i liked it or not i'm i'm just curious if he's leaving plants every time he comes over to do something for you is he leaving you a message that you should add to your family Oh, wow. A subtle message from a future grandpa. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I love that. Well, I'd say if you ask my dad, he just he treats his plants like his babies. That that would be his response mm -hmm. to him. So basically, okay. um, he's just throwing those upon me in the interim. Uh, but nonetheless, there is a little bit more color and vibrance in the, in the front and backyards and in the kitchen area. So I'll take that. And, and one day when I have the tomatoes, I'll post them at Always End With Food for the world to see as well. Too. There we go. Love it. Let's get into this week's guest. Alex, uh, we're from the Boston area, you much more so than me. And so you've listened to a lot of Boston sports radio. Oh, yeah. And uh, this week's guest is from that space. Correct. But not a host, a caller. That's right. One of, one of the more famous, I would say, radio callers in the Boston sports landscape. I'm talking about the famous Dakota from Braintree. You may know him as that in the Boston area, but he's also an entrepreneur and he's behind a very interesting golf brand called Swing Juice. So he's big in the golf space. We love Boston sports, a natural connection to have him here on the course of life. We'll get to that conversation in just a moment. But first, let's talk about our friends at Voris Golf. They make the best stuff for you to have with you on the golf course, super sharp polos with recycled material that keep you nice and cool, rocking that Voris V. They got a hat with the Voris V on it as well. It's a sharp logo. And of course, the thing you really need to get when you go to VorisGolf.com is their glove. This is what they're known for. It's super soft, grippy leather, but it's got through-touch technology lets you grip your phone and then use it Very important. with your thumb yep. or your forefinger while your glove is still on 
your hand. It's incredible. It works. We can both attest to this. We have used them and we love them and they come in white and black. And to me, a black glove is the way to go. So it's nice to see that they have both colors available for you. Voris, it's German for advancement, and that's what they're doing by enhancing the golf experience with their through-touch technology. So you can head on over to their website. It's vorisgolf.com, V-O-R-A-U-S golf.com. Use our promo code COL18. Saves you 18% off anything and everything, hats, polos, and those gloves. Again, COL18 to save yourself 18% off anything at vorisgolf.com. Next up on the tee from Massachusetts, he's the co-founder of the Swing Juice brand, which I got to know at the PGA show, a really cool golf and sports lifestyle brand. I also know him from his radio call-ins on 98.5, the sports hub as well. It's Steve Dakota Happus joining us on the course of life. Dakota, how are you doing today? Hey, Alex, how are you doing? It's great to have you on. I'm glad we could connect. Our fans on Twitter uh, saw that connection when I met you on the show floor, but it's great to have you on the show to talk a little bit more about your background and the brand. Uh, Let's start first with your background uh, with Boston and the Boston sports scene to how I originally knew you. Uh, Did you always grow up in the Boston area? Uh, What's your background there? Yeah, I did. Grew up in uh, Quincy and then uh, went to North Quincy High and moved to Braintree. My parents got divorced. when I was 10 years old, but decided to stay in the Quincy Public Schools. Uh, but my mom moved to Braintree, I think, 83. And then after I got done with college, I, I made Braintree my uh, my town of residence. You did, for sure. Yeah. And, and you yeah. are known affectionately by lots of Boston Sports Talk Radio fans as Dakota from Braintree. Uh, and you you first started calling into radio when? I feel like I, you've been uh, like intrinsically a part of my life, even though I just got to know you now forever. Uh, but when did you first start calling into Sports Talk Radio? So, funny story. You know, back in the day, uh, you know, this is probably 1989, 88, 89, 90. Sports radio in Boston was not a 24-7 thing. There was just kind of some random shows. Uh, Eddie Edelman had the sports huddle on on Sunday nights. Um, I went to Bridgewater State, and one of my good friends was a communications major, and he was interning at the old 850 radio AM radio station, which was the old WHDH, which is now WEEI. Nice. And he was like, hey, we need people to call in and talk about sports. We have this show. And I think he was interning originally with Ted Sarandis. And so I'm at that point in time, I was just like, fine, I'll call in. And I think I did, I didn't even use Dakota at the time. My first call, I think I used Jack. And I was Jack in a car. And this went on for maybe a couple of times. And at that at that moment, um, I just kind of got hooked in the back and forth between, you know, the caller and the host on sports radio. And I grew up playing sports. I was very passionate. I, I listened and watched as much sports as I could. So I was had a had an opinion on everything as, you know, and I guess that's what's good for radio as a caller mm-hmm. and a host. And Dakota, you're a really public guy as it is, and, and you're present on social media as well, too, and you follow him along on Twitter. I'm curious, was the Jack name, was that just kind of anonymity when you first started doing the calling in? It was just so random. I, I think at the t- I have no idea why I chose Jack. I just didn't want to say Steve and Dakota yet 
was not part of my nickname, Monica. Social media, obviously, back then was not even around. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like the only, nobody really knew me other than, you know, land-based stuff. And I did play a lot of, uh, on. I did, I did play a lot of poker in the casinos, uh, Atlantic City, Foxwoods was just getting started at the time. Um, and the name Dakota came about because my girlfriend at the time and I were like, hey, you know what? If we ever had a kid, we'd name it Dakota. And right around that time, I went out to Vegas uh, to meet a friend and I was out there for the first time. And he said, whatever you do, don't use your real name. And I'm like, oh God, I'm you know, 21, 22 year old kid. Oh boy. And, All right. What's going to happen now? So I'm like, fine, I won't use my real name. Cause they're like, you know, you never know, you know, who's at the table, they see you win, they might follow you. And I'm like, all right, fine. No, no real name. So I basically just went on the list at the Mirage poker room, used the name Dakota. And I was out there for two weeks and they would call, hey, your seat, your 50, 100 what, table, your 2040 stud game, Dakota, it's open. And they would call you over the microphone and say, yep, I'm Dakota. And you'd go sit at the table. So from there, everybody at the table knows you're coming in as your name, Dakota. And it just stuck. I was out there for a few weeks. I came back to the East Coast. I uh, started playing in some tournaments in Atlantic City and Foxwoods, had some success. The Herald had wrote some things a little bit about it at the time of a, a kid in the area doing well playing poker. They were trying to figure out where poker was going to go at this point. So any type of uh, connection to to Boston, to the Boston newspapers, I guess, was good for them. Um, and then I yeah. when I continued to talk on uh, call in the sports radio, I'm like, well, this is a much better name than Jack. And so I'll just reshift the focus to Dakota. And at the time, you know, it's Braintree and Dakota from Braintree was born. Very cool. And that character has lived on. You've got kind of the dual name lifestyle going on. Everyone knows you as Dakota from Braintree, like you mentioned. Uh, and one thing that people also know you for on, on Boston Sports Talk Radio is your unbelievably, impeccably clean landline and, and Sports Talk Radio show uh, host Mike Felger's obsession with it. So he he's very obsessed with how clean your landline is because lots of Sports Talk calls uh, have very muffled reception and you're anything but that. Uh, what is this phone, you're, you're this magic phone you're using for your calls oh, so I, so i actually have it behind me i i kept my old phone um i just turned around so if i lost a little bit mike and if you're we good, were on yeah. video if we were on video right now you'd see it and uh as michael felger said i give good phone um and uh, it's it's basically i don't even know it's hold on it's just an at&t that's all at&t and i think Amazing. i you know it's nothing different i don't know what it is um, maybe for some reason, my voice resonates better on, on the landline. It's probably even the landlines better than the, uh, that I'm on fiber right now doing this interview and maybe it, the landline would even come in better. I have no idea. I have no explanation of it other than that. The la that landline sounds phenomenal. Fascinating. Well, it was interesting to see, and, and it's obviously been a fun narrative for anyone who listens uh, in the city or worldwide to Boston Sports Talk Radio following your, your journey as a caller. And it's funny. So I, I'd been listening to the station and I'd started hearing ads for a brand called Swing Juice. And I'd also seen you on Twitter promoting <laughs> yeah. Swing Juice as well. And I started putting two and two together. Um, so tell everyone a little bit about maybe golf in your life and, and when Swing Juice came, came into your life as well. Yes. So about five years ago, I'm, and I was an avid baseball player, you know, loved being on the field, played in all the men's, you know, over 18 plus, over, over 30, over 40 leagues. What's so your, I played what's your position five, in the leagues. 
uh, shortstop, second, some okay. of the leagues I pitched. So I, I literally played in four leagues at the same time. Wow. And I could really only pitch in one. So I'd pitch in the oldest one because I could dominate a little bit better than pitching against young kids. So to me, if I was pitching one day, I couldn't play short the next because of my arms. So I'd roll over the second. So I'd r- roam around the infield based upon like how my arm strength was uh, during that week. And, and from that standpoint, um, I was getting ready to play one, one season in, in, in February. And I just threw out my arm, my, my shoulder kind of just kind of like snapped, like I tore a tendon or a ligament or something. And I just think I'm going to be shelved maybe for two or four weeks. And I never recovered all year. And I'm like, well, I'm used to being outside every night. I need to pick up, you know, something to do. So I picked up a golf club and that first year I ended up playing like a hundred rounds of golf Wow! and, uh, was terrible. I was shooting 96 to like one Oh five. You which, really dove all in though. hundred rounds. I, I, wow. I dove all, well, again, I'm used to being on a field five days a week. So to me, I needed mm-hmm. that same, that same feeling. Um, and I, I bought every golf, every Puma polo, every Puma polo and every Puma pant I could <laughs> find that I liked. So I was big into the apparel as I was getting into golf. And then, you know, a good friend of mine, um, John Mason, who uh, started Swing Juice way back in 2004 as an energy drink, um, we had always kept in touch. And he came to me at about the same time that I was getting into golf about helping him with his brand and his company. And um, I didn't really care about beverage at the time or just being a hat and t-shirt and hoodie. And we had a conversation about really taking this brand and getting to on the golf course, getting performance wear, you know, performance polos, quarter zips and hoodies, and, and maybe making a play at the Under Armors of the world, the Nikes of the world. Now I granted those are big dreams, but hey, you know what? Who knows? Who knows where you can get? So that was the goal. We talked about it and says, if I'm going to get involved, we're going to re, re, you know, relaunch the brand and really get into some high end performance wear and just take the brand in a lot of different directions and maybe even get outside of golf. And we're involved in some pickleball stuff now, which is great. That's been taking off um, as well as baseball. We did a deal with uh, Rob Bradford and Joe Kelly with this baseball isn't boring initiative that a lot of the major league players have, have been wearing a lot of our stuff. And so it's not just golf anymore, but you know, that's our backyard is from the golf standpoint. And at that point, me and John have been working together and we, uh, I put a bunch of money behind it and hired a bunch of people. And now we're a, a big brand and over a couple of thousand stores around the U.S. and you know, it's just trying to make make uh, make headway into the uh, par- the lifestyle apparel space. Absolutely, and it's changed a lot, and we saw that firsthand, specifically at the PGA Show in recent years. Let's talk about how the wardrobe has t- changed, specifically in the golf space, and just the way the modern golfer looks now versus the way they looked 10, 20, 30 years ago. Um, I saw a, an array of, of attire at the Swing Juice booth, um, but how has it changed <laughs> in your mind the way golfers dress on the course? Well, I think now i'm I'm a little bit out there. I have no problem wearing pink or doing anything crazy or oh, orange. Yeah. go for so it. so at the same time I was getting the golf, Ricky Fowler was like on top of the world. you know he was he was the guy and Ricky Fowler, for those of you that don't golf, he wears like orange like bright colors all the day, all the time. Pastel city. Yep. Just like he's out there. Great looking guy has tons of girls always on, uh, always over him. And I'm like, you know what? 
if I'm going to get in golf, I want a wardrobe that represents, you know, how I feel, my personality, you know, what I want to get out of golf, not the old stuffy X, Y, and Z that you would normally think of. When I go and play golf, I want my music on. I want to have, I want to crush some beverages, whether they're beers or some seltzers or, or some hard, hard, hard alcohol. And I want to wear bright colors that where my passion is my passion. So I think over the years, Ricky Fowler kind of changed that. And he crossed over where people can wear loud things on the course. And that was the kind of the direction that John and I wanted to go where let's break the mold. Let's create a brand that is fun, a fun lifestyle, fun lifestyle that people can wear their different expressions on their sleeves. And that's kind of where we are. So I think, and you've seen it over the past three to four years, Bad Birdie, Johnny O, these other brands come up with these huge, like far out there designs that are now taking on the entire golf, you know, golf courses pretty much. Yeah, very well said. And I appreciate that modernization. And and we're called the course of life because everyone's journey within the game of golf is very different. And people come to the game from all walks of life. So it's neat to show that reflected in some really bright colors as well. I'm curious, what's your favorite maybe swing juice shirt or set that you love to wear on the course yourself? Uh, So I love, we have our um, Magnolia polo for masters and that's coming up. And, um, to me, that's one of my favorite and I hate wearing white, but this is white with green and purple. I'm not sure if you go to swingjuice.com, you'll see it. Just search for Magnolia. That's one of my favorites. Um, we have a new mixtape line as part of our golf and hip hop that I actually love. I mean, since I'm, I'm ancient, I remember the days of cassette tapes. So anytime I can have cassettes, the drawings on, on, on my polo or my quarter zip or hoodie, I just love it. Like things are going back to like retro and this is just an, a great iteration of, of old school, you know, hip hop. Nice. We actually had a, a rapper named Tiger Hoods on the podcast before. Oh I'll, my God. I'll you to him because it sounds like he'd be perfect for your brand. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Love it. Um, so I think you answered the next question, the golfer you'd most like to see rocking swing juice on the course. Probably Ricky, right? Is there an honorable mention or would it, would it definitely be him first? Oh, that's a good question. So, um, wow. Ricky, I think, you know, Ricky's kind of making a comeback right now. Um, he would definitely be a, one of the personalities that I would have to choose that said, yeah, he, he's part of that swing juice life. Um, I'd have to think a little bit more, um, maybe, uh, Fleetwood, he might be one of the guys just mm, because his, like his hair is just all over the place. He just seems like a swing juice guy, you know? Um, so that, you know, he'd probably be right behind Ricky follower. I think he's definitely got the vibe. I agree with that for sure. All right, yeah. let, let's get into some quick sports takes right now. We'll call them Dakota's takes here, uh, with Dakota from Braintree here, uh, on the course of life. Um, let's talk golf real quick. Um, and just the general scope of things in 2023, the game has changed a lot now that live golf has come into the professional scene in the last year. What's just your general take on the live golf and PGA tour relationship? Did you think there'll ever be a kiss and makeup get along moment between the two? tours? I think the players are ultimately going to decide. And if, you know, if you have enough staying power and money behind you, the PGA is going to have to consider them a serious threat. They're probably going to wait another season or two to see some of how the TV contracts, some other sponsors, whether they gravitate to it. And at the end of the day, are the eyeballs there and the sponsors there? And then I think if they make it through, you know, 
season three, the PGA has to seriously consider about walking back some of their their stances, I think, on not letting certain players play in tournaments because of it. Yeah, I know. I mean, the majors are already kind of letting the door open for them now. So it's just a question of when the rest of them start opening the door too. Yeah, I I think it's a good move. I think it's good for golf. Um, You know, if I'm a golfer, the only way for me to make money is I have to place in the tournaments and I'm providing great content to you, content for you, right? Other than having your sponsors, uh, you know, whether it's a Callaway or Puma or whatever, that's the way that you make your prize pools. Now, they're providing content on TV, on PGA, you know, they should participate in some of that revenue. And yeah. I think, and I, and you starting to see now, um, I think last year, PGA launched, uh, you know, top 10 searchable golfers, right. And based upon social media presence, they're going to, they put a, they put a, a, a pool together that they can start paying players that are really active on social. So I think you're starting to see this anyways. And, but, you know, people should be getting paid to show up at events. It's done in the, in the, um, in the land-based poker tournaments, you know, whether it's the WPT or the WSOP, the celebrities are paid to come in, their buy-ins gifted. It's good for content. It's good for players that want to buy directly in for the event events. So I think the PGA players should be paid for showing up. And then if they place, then they get the extra money. Yeah, we'll see where, where it goes from there with the uh, the couple tours. Let's switch quickly to Boston sports because I know I mentioned this to you at the show, but I wanted to get your take on the Patriots offseason situation. Obviously, bringing in Bill O'Brien, kind of a familiar face back to the coaching staff. Um, but what do you make of the kind of coaching carousel that we've done within the Patriots or, uh, uh, organization this offseason? Well, for one, everybody can beat up on, um, you know, Bill Belichick for bringing in Patricia, et cetera. But honestly, Bill O'Brien was their guy last year and they couldn't do him. And so they couldn't bring in an offensive coordinator just for one year, knowing that they had Bill O'Brien in the wings. So Bill Belichick said, you know what, Maddie P, Judge, just get in there, get us through the season. And unfortunately, you know, Mac Jones didn't agree with the direction that the offense wanted to go. No, and, no. <laughs> and, and, and basically, Mac Jones as well as the offensive coordinator did a shitty job. And I don't know if I can say shitty, but no, you you're can good. It's fine. Um, I think Mac Jones should have rised above the bad play calling, the bad offensive coordinator, the bad coaching, whatever it is, and played a lot better. Because I don't care what you say as a professional athlete, if a catcher in baseball calls a fastball or a curve, it's still up to that pitcher to throw the pitch and not only just throw a fastball or a curve, but actually throw a fastball that moves and throw a curveball that breaks late. Those mm-hmm. are your two things. So regardless of maybe how bad play calling was, Mac Jones still had plenty of open receivers that he threw the ball like Cam Newton into the ground. Or when he had receivers deep down the sideline or over the middle, he did not connect. So Mac Jones can point fingers all he wants. And the one thing that he should have done was saying, hey, listen, I miss this guy. I threw it into the ground. My arm sucks. I suck. And maybe it's not all coaching because I don't believe Mac Jones is the answer with Billy O'Brien even here. Yeah, I know. I'm not sure about it either. There was a lot of excuse making on his side. So the things have got to turn around in season three if there if there's any future there. Um, interesting. And then uh, real quick, since both winter sports squads in Boston are, are having solid seasons so far, who do you think is maybe mo- more likely to get a ring this spring, the Celtics or the Bruins? Well, 
that's you know the the Bruins probably I think have an easier I say an easier path to get there because I still see a healthy Milwaukee in the way Philadelphia a healthy a healthy Philadelphia Philadelphia is going to be a problem yeah uh, you know be a harder road so, for the Celtics for sure so to me if you know if Middleton's playing for Milwaukee last year did they get through Milwaukee. Probably not. I don't think they do. So, you know, the Celtics benefited a lot by things breaking in their direction, including a Jimmy Butler three missed it. No time left, because if he hits that, then they never get to that point. Right. So I think that they they still need some work to get to the NBA finals and, and then beat an NBA finals team, you know, in a series. They had it last year. If Tatum would just play average. Just average, they had mm. enough to beat Golden State. Still and unfortunately, Tatum just just Tatum had the worst series. And I, I mentioned this on sports radio, mentioned this on my Twitter. Out of any of the, I, I think I look back in the last 15 years, um, the top player on a team, Jason Tatum, I believe had the worst performance by the team's top player in an NBA finals. That's how bad Jason Tatum. Uh, performance was. And I, and, and if everybody's going, well, how do you quantify that? Well, I use a stat that the NBA puts out called PI, player impact estimate. And it goes back, I think I went back as far as 14 or 15 years that I could look at the NBA finals and look at each of the top players and how they performed with PI. And Jason Tatum wasn't even in his top three of his own team and no top player would perform that badly than Jason Tatum. So just give me an average Jason Tatum you know, win one game, you know, have your hand in a couple others, and they beat Golden State last year. You can tell there's the, that's an informed sports talk radio caller right there because he had the stats to back up the take immediately, and he did it in but quick everybody time. Everybody hates the take. <laughs> everybody hates that take. But like, this is not my opinion. I think everybody can say Jason Tatum shit the bed in the NBA Finals. Yeah. And if he didn't, and if he just played okay, just not even great, they win that NBA Finals. Hundred percent. Yeah, frustrating one that slipped with the light. Hey, the Twitter I'm show. Still Twitter I'm, handle. Still, I'm still pissed about it, as you can see. Oh, me too, man. I'm just freaking glad we got that one in 08, or else it would have been a real deep dark hole that I'd be in <laughs> after that that finals. But uh, uh, shout out the Twitter handle for those who don't follow you on Twitter as well. Um, at Dakota, that's just like the state. D a k o t a, Happus H a p p a s, or just search for Dakota and Braintree. And that will pull it up on Twitter. Love it. So it's Dakota Happis with Swing Juice joining us here. Let's finish with some food questions. Uh, you gifted me an unbelievably nice shirt, a golf and tacos shirt, which is an amazing vibe for me in Austin, Texas, being a Boston transplant. <laughs> golf and tacos are like two religion points here. Um, yeah. what, what would be like your favorite taco on the golf course that you'd want to have? What type of taco would you go for? Definitely no onions. Um, I'm, I'm going hard shell. Because uh, I love the crunch. And if I had my choice, I'm going the Doritos hard shell. Because if you remember, I think Taco Bell, I'm not sure if they still offer it or not. Great but they used to have they used to have the Dorito. Do they still have the Doritos hard shell? I think they're still messing around with it every time every yeah. it's seasonal, I think. Yeah. So I'd go Doritos hard shell, definitely meat over chicken. Um, plenty of spicy stuff, just no onions. Um, and I load it with sour cream. 
because I'm a big sour cream and plenty of guac. So to me, I don't know, everything else just might overtake the meat that's in there, but I like it messy. I want, I need it all over my face. I need like 15 napkins to clean up after one taco. That's how I like it. Yeah. Very good taco should be messy. That is uh, <laughs> a, a Bible paradox, I believe. So well said. Um, your favorite Boston places. I'm asking about two cuisines specifically, because now that I'm in Texas, these are the two that I find myself getting as soon as I get back into the Boston area. The first one is Italian restaurant. And the second one would be like your go-to seafood spots. If you could think of a couple places in town, where, where would you direct me on my, my next trip home? All right. So as for Italian, my favorite is Giacomo's. Um, there's one in the North End. It's small. There's always a line. They only open up for uh, at four o'clock. And then there's another one on Columbus. They do take reservations at that one. Okay. Uh, to me, I'm a, I just go right to chicken parm and pumpkin tortellini. They do have some butternut squash ravioli as I'll mix in. I only like going there a, once or twice a year. Because if I overdo it, and I've tried going there multiple times, it just doesn't have the same like panache. Special I guess. occasions only. I like that. Okay. Yeah, I, I do. So that would be Giacomo's. As for places uh, that I frequent more often, I love Ocean Prime in the seaport for my uh, for my steak. Great ambiance. You have it's great people watching. I'm a bar guy. I'll never sit at a table. I'm always at the bar. So it's it's a great bar, great staff, Ocean Prime. And then also Davio's in the seaport or Davio's, any of the Davio's locations for for chicken, chicken steak and everything else. Love so those that. are my two my two go-to places. Good answers indeed. And on that note, you said you're a big bar guy. We wrap every interview with our 19th hole question. So this is right in your wheelhouse. Let's say you finish playing 18 holes and you get into your favorite clubhouse after a round of golf. What's your go-to order for me? and a drink at the 19th hole, Dakota? This is going to sound so boring, but I'm a type one diabetic. So I'm very careful of what type of alcohol I put in. I stay with Bacardi rum clear, not the spicy rum, just on the rocks mixed with water. That's it. That'll give me a nice buzz. It goes down smooth. Um, I will fool around with other alcohol from time to time, depending on what my my blood sugar level is. But most of the time, it's just going to be straight rum mixing with water. Fair enough. That's a nice drink to cap a day on the course, indeed. Hey, Dakota, thank and, you for and, our, and, and plenty of French fries at the 19th hole. So yeah, they need to have French fries. Forgot to ask about the food. Yeah, burger and fries no. seems to be the goat answer to this this question. Generally speaking, yep. for food. Hey, Dakota, thank you so much for hopping on the course life again. Swingjuice.com. Uh, check him out on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Follow him on Twitter, and uh, look forward to staying in touch with you. Thanks again. Awesome. Thanks, Alex. And we're back. Great chat there with Dakota. I am super jelly. I don't know if the kids still say jelly, but I'm going to use it. Yep. Super jelly that he's doing super posh dinners out in Boston because, man, it's expensive to dine out in Boston. Oh, yeah. Nothing but the Capitol Grill or Finer for Dakota. I mean, he's always at the nicest places, you know, and sparing no expense. Probably one of the one of the best dined men in the city. I would contest. Uh, fun to follow Dakota's journey on social media. And also with Swing Juice, a really cool, innovative, young, hip golf brand. I love the golf and taco shirt that he gifted me at the PGA show. And I love rocking that here in Austin. I mean, what plays better than golf and tacos in Austin, Texas, right? So I mean, check out Swing Juice if, if you love the apparel and the vibe there and obviously follow along with Dakota. You, you'll be sure to hear him again on the radio airwaves soon enough. 
And if you like everything we're doing here on this podcast, make sure you punch that subscribe button on the podcast app you're using right now so you never miss an episode. Give us a follow on Instagram, C-O-L Podcast, Course of Life, Alex, M-W-R-I-N-C. The food stuff we post is over on Always End With Food. And uh, we're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, everything. We're on Twitter, too, if you're still there. Course of Life 1 is Alex. I'm M-W-R-I-N-C. That's where we talk during the week. That's where you can really see what we're thinking. That's right. And as for the the writing, obviously, I told you I wrote the Valero Texas Open preview, but my other pieces were obviously regarding the Final Four, because we're here. I wrote pieces previewing both the men and the women. So those are out now on RYP as well, too. And 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 I got to ask you, Alex, since we're going to talk about the final four, is uh, did you have in any scenario no number one seed reaching the final four like it has for the first time in history? Yeah, m- my definition of a risky bracket was <laughs> like having only one one seed in the final four. That ooh, ooh, Alex taking a risk on his bracket. That. Thinking and and logic it, with March Madness has been completely thrown out the window with this year's tournament. Unbelievable! It's, it's crazy. So that Final Four: San Diego State, FAU, that's Florida Atlantic. For those of you that don't <laughs> yes. know, Miami and UConn. UConn, right, is the only one who's been to a Final Four before. Is that oh, right? Yeah, done it many times over. Obviously, you know their deal. When they go, they win. Yeah. I mean, when they yeah. go, they're 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 good for this. Once every five seven years, you know how it works with UConn basketball. They can be quiet and dormant for a half a decade, and then all of a sudden they just pop up on your bracket in the Final Four. So that's the one I'm not really surprised about. It's the the other three teams you mentioned, and, and just the mere I, fact that you just had to clarify the abbreviation <laughs> of a school that's playing in the Final Four. I mean, Think should I have also done it? It's SDSU. It's not San Diego State. It's SDSU, <laughs> <Yes>. right? <laughs> yes. So we have the Florida Atlantic Owls yep. and the San Diego State Aztecs playing in the first semifinal to go Ooh. to the championship. You know, wow. However much I want FAU to win, I feel like owl, Owls can't beat Aztecs. I do like San Diego I State. Am. I'm not yeah. going to give away my pick in the second game, but I like San Diego State in the first game. UConn-Miami could be an instant classic, though. A couple of more, a little bit more blue-blooded schools. And interesting to see Miami. You know, we always thought of them yeah. as a football school growing up, but not anymore. Jim Laranega, the coach from Miami, Mike, you'll appreciate this, was the coach at George Mason University Ooh. when they had their Final Four yeah. run in 2006. And he's back again with Miami. How about that? There you go. Those, you know, that's what you do. You go do something big in a mid-major, then you get into a bigger program and you get paid more. Exactly. And he actually backed it up and did it in a big program. So shout out to him for that. Should be a good final four this weekend. So yeah, check out the full previews there, but uh, good basketball coming. Can we talk about the women real quick? I know it's Monday uh, late evening here. Yeah. Uh, Final four is not set yet, but right now we have Iowa and LSU. Of course, it's going to be South Carolina. We know that's going to happen. They're going to be in it. Uh, And I'm rooting all in on Virginia Tech tonight. Virginia Tech versus Ohio State, the wife's alma mater. Go Hokies. Definitely. Yeah, I know. And I mean, it's obviously about Caitlin Clark and and the Iowa Hawkeyes. Who's going to take care of her? She's been the most dominant player in all women's college basketball. So it's that classic, like one lone star player who's scoring a million points. Can can she just by herself beat a Virginia Tech or a South Carolina? We'll, we'll, We'll have to find out this weekend. Yeah. And of course, I, I'm sure a lot of people have heard about it. It's the uh, all of this odd stuff going on in men's and women with low seeds making it to the final four. It's all thanks to transfer portals and an extra year of eligibility because of COVID. 
that that's why it's happening. Definitely. It's that it's the combination of all these teams that bend together for an extra year in the mid major level. It's a combination of just kind of the playing field being even with the NIL money that's being spread across the country for different athletes and their brand. They don't, they realize they don't necessarily all have to be at the blue blood programs. And it's, it's made for a wide open March madness, which is all you can ask for. The other madness that is starting this week is baseball. It's baseball season. It's time. My Yankees, they're going to go all the way. I'm going to say it right now. We're going all the way. I mean, listen, the hopes aren't super great for me, so you can say whatever you want. The Red Sox are 20 to 1 odds to win the AL East. That's not good odds, in case you're wondering at home. Um, so there's little to no hope. It was a solid spring training for the Red Sox. We all know that means absolutely nothing, though. Uh, so sure. uh, we'll see what product rolls out in the springtime. I know the way this works. They're gonna get. They're gonna pull me in at the beginning of the season with some half decent start, and it'll all fall apart yep. in the summer. But I'll be there for for the rise in the fall as well. There you go. It'll be all right, maybe if you're lucky. Probably not. <laughs> no. <laughs> but our hopes are right now on our alma mater, the Quinnipiac University Bobcats men ice hockey team. For the third time in our storied hockey program history, we are in the frozen. Four after winning our first two games of tournament over Merrimack and Ohio State, winning the Bridgeport region means we get to face Michigan, which is the number three seed in the tournament. Uh, wow. I mean, come on, man. Quinnipiac. We're going all the way. So we're going to play the winner of Minnesota BU because you know we're going to beat Michigan. I'm just gonna I say hope right so, now. man. You know we're going to get to the national championship game. It's just a question of what happens then, right? We, yeah. we know that, right? I, I feel that in my heart. I feel it. I've got the 2013 Frozen Four shirt on right now as, as we record this podcast. So the vibes are there. Um, listen, third time's a charm. That's the way I'm approaching this. Yeah, okay. There we go. This, this coat, we, we're, we're coached by the same staff that's been there twice already and knows exactly the ropes of how this weekend feels. Uh, so it's two wins to greatness. We've been there before. We can get it done and climb the mountain this time. Uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more next week, but uh, exciting to see the Bobcats back in the Frozen Four. For now, let's hashtag always end with food. Yes, our food segment to end each and every Course of Life podcast episode. And my Frozen Four segue to food is, I just got my freezer fixed today as well, too. So just, just a <laughs> little, little update as well, too, on that. Um, with that being said, everything was saved including my frozen tater tots segues galore here. I was looking for an always end with food um, topic and I was a little empty handed. So I did what any smart, wise, journalistic professional would do. I searched the food calendar for national food days. And and this Friday, we've got national tater day. It's in honor Mm. of the springtime in Kentucky. It originated with the sweet potato crop rising April 1st. Mm. Regardless, let's get into a little rapid fire tater day draft in honor of potatoes and potatoes and everything we love about them i will give you the first pick since i had a little bit more studying time (laughs) than you uh favorite potato item go first of all you said that this is in honor of sweet potato season starting sweet potato fries then all day all right sweet potato fries off the board uh i'm gonna go ahead and take potato chips off the board with my pick that's my first pick what else do you like uh tater tots yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take baked potato with my second pick. Classic. You can load it with all the sorts of toppings in the world. Tastes great. Mm-hmm. Grilled or oven fried baked potato. All right. There you go. I'm going to go high class here with potato gratin. Thin oh, slice, wow. Bechamel nice. sauce, cheese. It's just like it. it's all you need with a good thick slice of prime rib. That was not on my board. So we'll round out the draft. Let's see. Third round. Would you go mashed potato or potato salad? 
Oh, I hate potato salad. I'm yeah, sorry. mashed potato. It is. There it is. So that's that's the tater draft. Everyone have a happy tater day out there this week. Uh, enjoy your week. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe right now if you already haven't, and we'll see you next week.